And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, man, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Gerald Moore stars in a tale with a twist ending on The Whistler from 1948. But it's time now... For Movie Jeopardy, Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular movies. I'll try to name the movie while you play along at home, right, Lisa? That's right. In this edition, these are not just popular movies, but very famous horror films uh, in honor of Halloween uh, around the corner. Wow. Right. All right. So, horror movies. Yeah, you. I know you're a big fan of horror films, and these are the biggest and the best. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll uh, do pretty, pretty well. Okay. Okay, here is the first film. It goes back to Okay, I think that's Jamie Lee Curtis, right? It sure is. So that would have to be Halloween. The original Halloween, which ding, was released. Because our sound effects aren't working. <gasps> oh, wait. Oh, no, wait, that's... What was that? There hey! we go. <laughs> Mike got the sound effects. There we go. So, of course, Halloween. that was Jamie Lee Curtis. That was her film debut. Uh, really? Be, yes. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so um, the Halloween spawned a film franchise of 11 films. So right. Clearly you started in a few of those successful. as the bad guy, right? Oh, I wish as I Jason were. Jason or whatever. Jason. <laughs> that's or that's the 13th. Film. That's, a different, that's a different film. That's <laughs> a different film series. <laughs> but if there's a bad guy, I'm pretty sure that was me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, 1960. It's sad mm-hmm. when a mother has to speak the words that condemn her own son. But I couldn't allow them to believe that I would commit murder. They'll put him away now. Not even going to touch that fly. Years ago. He was always bad. And in the end, he intended to tell them I killed those girls and that man. As if I could do anything except Mm. just Mm. sit and stare. Like one of his stuffed birds. You know, that's Virginia Gregg. Did you know that? She's in so many of these radio shows. Well, we've talked about that before. And the name of the movie is... 
Psycho. Psycho, nineteen sixty, based on the nineteen fifty nine novel, and um, of course, it was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Yes, and what a psychological horror film oh, that it's, it's is! So great. I haven't watched it in a while. Need to go back and watch. I it. haven't either. No, mm-hmm. or either. Either, as either. You say, but I say either. <laughs> Much more refined. Uh, the next <laughs> film, nineteen seventy three. Dr. Klein. Yes, I'm Dr. Klein. This is Dr. Tanny. Oh, Sharon, things have gotten worse since I found you. I think you better come upstairs. She's having spasms again? Yeah, but they've gotten worse. It's scariest movie I've ever seen. Yes. What was that? Oh, Chris, doctors. Mother, please! Please, 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 Oh, I just going back uh, and watching the scenes of this film is uh, so disturbing. I saw this me. in a theater, Lisa, in yeah. a theater yeah. in 1970, whatever this was. Yeah, it was 1973. Uh, well, I, I was I was 10 because I was born in 1963. Right. I saw right. this in a theater at 10 years Did old. How's that possible? I don't know how how my brother must know. have took me to this. Cause he was, <laughs> it's always his fault. He was 12 years older. <laughs> That's The Exorcist. It sure is. So, uh, wow, that's yeah. all I can say. That nah. was the first installment in the Exorcist film series. Scariest movie of all it's time. Scariest movie of all time. If you're looking not to be scared, no. then just give don't, it a skip. Don't watch that movie. <laughs> don't watch it, especially not, before bed. I don't like anything with demons and stuff. It's just not It's yeah. just not good. No, no, it's not good. Okay, no. we're going to move on to another scary film, 1984. You know, you got me on this one before, but I remember that you got me on this one before. I'm pretty sure that's Nightmare on Elm Street. It absolutely is. And it's very difficult with the clips because these are so visual Mm -hmm. that sometimes it's just screaming and slashing and blood splattering. And it's very difficult to capture that on the radio. I think that was Johnny Depp's first film or one of his first films. That's exactly right. It was his film debut. Yeah. Uh, This is written and directed by Wes Craven. And, um, well, we got a little Freddy Krueger there. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, you know, some people love these Halloween I, I like films, them. I don't like... And others just steer away. Yeah, so. I like anything scary, slasher, all that. I love that. I just don't like demons. demons. You know, I just don't like anything with, like, demons. You know... Like the like the Omen or the Exorcist. I don't like those kind yeah, of... They, that supernatural they stuff. They freak me... Yeah, freak me out. There are so many people that look forward to our month of Halloween and, and mm-hmm. scary radio shows. And then there's always people who say, look, I don't like the scary shows. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. You know, what can you say? So, yeah, true. I don't know. Keep the lights on. Yeah. Um, here's the next one. And this is truly scary. 1968 horror. What have you done to it? Uh, right? What have you done to its eyes? Uh, mm-hmm. He has his father's eyes. Uh, oh, so disturbing. Don't like it. What are you talking about? Guy's eyes are normal. Yeah. What have you done to him, you, you maniac? Satan is his father, not Guy. Uh, don't oh, like it. Don't like it, Lisa. So sicko. Don't like it. And it's called Rosemary's Baby. It sure is. Uh, written and directed by Roman Polanski, and it's based he's a on weirdo. A, yeah, a 1967 <laughs> novel. 
<laughs> starring Mia Farrow. And oh my gosh, that's Ugh, all I can say. Gosh. Uh, just watching that scene again don't, was don't. It was awful. All right, here's the last Wait, one. Wait, before you get to the last one, mm-hmm. I do want to make a quick announcement. Yes. We are now posting. You had to do that in the middle of Movie Jeopardy? Yeah, I want to let people know. Afterwards? We are posting okay. unauthorized videos, right? Well, so here's what I did. Before the show started, I thought it would be kind of cool to do a little behind the scenes. Yeah, we're going to do behind the scenes uh, Right, before the show begins. So about a quarter to eight before our show begins at eight o'clock, I took a quick little video of what was going on here at that exact moment at 7.45 p.m. So if you are at all interested in seeing the studio or what everyone is doing 15 minutes before the show starts. We'll try to do this each week. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, it's a lot of fun. I had fun filming it. It's only about a minute long. So if you have a minute and you have some curiosity, check out our Facebook page. You'll yeah, have go a to lot our Facebook. I, I was Hollywood 360 Radio. Make sure you like us, too. We really want to build our likes. Definitely. All right, we're going to do that All each right. week. All right, one Here's more. Here's the last one. Mm-hmm. No introduction. <laughs> oh, that's easy. Yep. I think it ran the category. It did. Different kind of scary. Oh, this was scary. It is. It's tight. I didn't go swimming in my backyard pool. Your backyard pool? I didn't. I wouldn't go in my backyard pool in case for like a, shark a year. Up there. We had like a little pool, you like know, a like kiddie a kiddie pool. We had, or no, real we had pool. A, we had an above ground, you know, pool in our well, backyard. That's nice. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't go in the water. I wouldn't go in the pool for the longest um, time. You know, it's still scary. Of course, that was Jaws 1975, directed by Steven Spielberg. And, uh, I mean, wow, just the concept of a man-eating great white shark. Ugh. Ugh. Did I get a ding for that, You Mike? get a ding. There you go. Right, I'll ding, 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 ding. Oh, right. Great job. See, I got them all. I know. This was really your category. You all did a great right. job, and we'll have Thanks, some more Halloween Lisa fun Wolf. in store. All right. When we come back, it's our first scary radio show. The Whistler. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. The Whistler. They always had twist endings on The Whistler. It was one of the uh, trademarks of the show. Good mystery series that came to radio beginning in uh, 1942, Lisa, and one of the first actors to portray the Whistler, believe it or not, was Gail Gordon. Crazy, right? And um, on this particular episode, uh, I believe it is uh, Bill Johnst—I um, mean, Bill Foreman—as the Whistler. And this is called Night Final from January 28, 1948. Here is part one of the Whistler, starring Gerald Moore. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, 
I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Rated tops in popularity for a longer period of time than any other West Coast program in radio history. And Signal Gasoline is tops, too. Tops in quality. It takes extra quality, you know, to give you extra mileage. And Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. So look for the Signal circle sign in yellow and black that identifies friendly dealer-owned Signal stations from Canada to Mexico. And now the Whistler's strange story. Night Final. She was a newspaper woman and a good one. Words came easily to her. Fresh, new, interesting ways of saying what she saw or felt or heard. Her critics and colleagues agreed that regardless of her shortcomings as a person, Helen Conover was a superlative reporter, holder of the Guild Award for on-the-spot reporting, the first woman to win such an honor. Yet now, as she stood in the courtroom, she found it was hard to put her feelings into words, impossible to describe the exhilarating sense of freedom she felt when the judge announced his decision. That's all, Mrs. Delavan? That's all, Your Honor. Very well. Divorce granted. As she left the courtroom and started down the hall, she saw her husband's lawyer a few steps ahead. Uh, Mr. Jackson. Huh? Oh, Mrs. Delavan. No, I mean Miss Connell. Well, you almost got out of the building before I could thank you. Thank me? Yes, for everything. For the quick, painless way you handle the divorce. Miss Conover, divorce at best is never a painless operation. <laughs> well, it is the way you handle it. Is Malcolm really out of town? No, of course not. But then why didn't he... It was all arranged beforehand. I convinced Malcolm it'd be wise not to contest the divorce. Oh? Why? Uh, I'd rather not go into that now. He's at home, I think. You'd probably know better than I. Mal was such an angel about it. You know, somehow I suddenly feel a little tender toward him. He was so gentlemanly and everything. Considering the circumstances, I'd say he was. What do you mean, Mr. Jackson? You noted, of course, that Paul Wilson's name wasn't brought into the proceeding. Well? Didn't that strike you as unusual? Wilson was a full-fledged co-respondent if I ever saw one. Your husband isn't entirely blind, you know. See here, if you're implying... You can take it any way you like. Malcolm's a very generous man, Miss Conover. Had he been otherwise, this divorce proceeding might have had some unfortunate overtones... For you, at least. Well, there was nothing wrong. I made it very clear about Paul and you. Yes, yes, of course. Incidentally, Malcolm told me he'd like to see you when it's convenient. You might drop around sometime today. Perhaps I will. Fine. Good day, Miss Conover. Hello, Malcolm. Oh. Nice of you to ring the bell, Helen. Oh, now, don't be that way. I've come to tell you how nice you were. For what? Being such a good sport. We can still be good friends. Yes, I suppose that's the fashionable thing for divorced couples, uh, particularly among your pseudo-intellectual friends. <laughs> Sorry, darling. I'm not going to let you draw me into an argument, especially now. With love on the wing, huh? Right. Let's have a drink, Mal, to our separate futures. Well, you say so. What'll it be? Bourbon, dear. Oh, you, uh, you might find something on the desk that'll interest you. Oh, don't tell me. Let me guess. Oh, here we are. A new letter opener. Oriental sheath knife, isn't it? 
14 notches on the handle. Ooh, long and bloody history. Mal, why do you ever collect these things? It isn't Oriental. It's South American, and that's not what I'm talking about. Take another look. Hmm? Nothing else here. Just a letter. Mal, where did you get this letter? In the mail. Perfectly normal routine. It's from Paul. Why is he writing you? He'll be in town tomorrow night. For some reason or other, he wants me to come to his apartment at nine. Well, here's your drink. But why would he... Oh, maybe at long last he's heard about the divorce. Airline pilot's out of touch with things, you know. You're going to see him? Of course. Let's drink to him, Helen, to our good friend, that wife stealer superb, Paul Wilson. That's not necessary. <laughs> you saw now, because you didn't even know he was going to be in town. I knew it and you didn't. <laughs> That's a great story. Man bites dog. Stop it, Mal. I won't have you talking right. like that. All right, Helen. You're a great girl, a fine reporter. I resent losing you, I admit it. Just too bad you didn't take enough time out from your reporting to learn to be a woman. Now you'd better go. Listen, Mal, I... I... said you'd better go. He's probably in town now waiting for you. Well? All right. Goodbye, Malcolm. Conover. Hello, Ed. How are things down in the press room? Oh, unholy mess as usual. Still setting up big headlines for little stories. Now, if you folks was on oh, the Oh, you're ball, never satisfied, Eddie. Where's Ann? Well, I just saw her go into the office. Thanks. Hi, Byrne. Uh, what do you say? <laughs> say, your story this morning was great. Ann. Well, crack out the champagne. I hear you did the trick. Yep, it's all over. The old Liberty Bell let freedom ring. Skip it. Huh? Any calls? Our dear city editor called, wants to be sure you're covering the circus opening tomorrow night. Though why you do it, I'll never know. <laughs> Sentiment, Annie. My first assignment was a circus opening. Haven't missed one since. Though I wish I hadn't promised this time. Other things on your mind, darling? Paul Wilson, maybe? Paul, he called me here? Shouldn't he have? You tell him where I was. Shouldn't I have? And you can be exasperating. Sorry. I guess I'm just jealous of the success type. A career. Lots of men. But really, did you want me to tell Mr. Wilson you were in court? Shedding last year's husband. You didn't? No. Hmm. Wonder why he's here. How did you ever keep it from him, dear? Uh, the divorce, I He's mean. out of town most of the time. I just didn't tell him. He'll be surprised. Yeah. I suppose you have it all planned to marry him as soon as it's final. <laughs> Don't rush me. I'm just out of this one. Uh, what did he say? He wants to see you at eight tonight. I told him you were tied up tomorrow with the circus. Oh. Uh, you'll go with me, won't you? Uh-uh. That's your department. Why don't you take Paul? I have another pass you can use. Business and pleasure and all that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm afraid he doesn't love me that much, but I might ask him tonight. Let me know what he says, will you? Why? Oh, I don't know. Just curious. For the rest of the afternoon, you try to catch up on your work. But it's hard, Helen, trying to concentrate with your mind on Paul this way. Trying to analyze this strange new freedom. Different now, with a thrill gone out of it and a curious, unsettled, half-bitter feeling in its place. And it hasn't left you hours later as you drive toward Paul's apartment in a taxi. Halfway across town, the driver pulls up at a red flare on the left of the speedway. Oh, what is it, driver? Accident up ahead. 
Looks like a tough all one. Right, all right. Oh, Hold wait on, a minute, driver. Wait a minute. Keep it moving. What is it, officer? Get back in that car there, lady. Helen Conover, Daily Post. Huh? Oh, reporter, huh? Yeah, was it bad? Yeah, three people killed. One of them was a state senator. Kavanaugh was his name. Senator Kavanaugh? Yeah. Uh, driver, here you are. You go along. I've got a story to file. Yes, Helen, on duty or not, you're a reporter above everything else. A state senator killed. The bodies of two high school students in the wreckage of the other car. So it's two hours later, nearly ten o'clock, when you finally arrive at Paul's apartment. Well, so you finally decided to show up, darling. I'm sorry, Paul. I got here as soon as I could. There was a bad accident. I had to get the story in. You're not supposed to be working this late. I'm a reporter, dear. When a story breaks and I'm there, the Daily Post gets it. Yeah. For God, for country, and the Daily Post, eh? (laughs) Well, I'm not a reporter now, dear. No? I'm a woman. A single woman. Yeah, I heard about it. Aren't you glad? Nope. What? What did you say? Helen, just because I buy you a few drinks, take you dancing a couple of times, doesn't mean I intend to break up a man's home. Paul, I told you about that. You didn't tell me half of it. A man named Jackson looked me up. Your husband's lawyer. Jackson, what did he say? You should have let me in on all these plans of yours, Helen. Malcolm, too. What are you trying to say? I wouldn't have let you go ahead with this divorce. It's all over, Paul. I have my divorce. I did it for you so I could be free. You made a mistake. A bad one. You see, I'm not getting a divorce. You're married. That's right. Malcolm knew it. I don't know how, but he did. He what? Seems that you uh, got into the wrong game, baby. Ordinarily, it'd be time to pick up your chips and go home. Now you can't even do that. You can't do this to me. It was me. your own doing, Helen. Don't go blaming me. Rotten Careful, low. sweetheart. You'll spoil your makeup. You'll never get away with it, Paul. Do you hear me? You'll never get away with it. I'll you don't know you how first. funny you look, really. Did you hear what I said? I'll hey, wait a minute. You. Wait a minute. Don't. No. Oh, that's a dirty shame. <laughs> that, that vase belonged to my favorite aunt. <laughs> don't slam the door. With the prologue of Night Final, the Signal Oil Company is bringing you another strange story by The Whistler. Did you know, Lisa, that that was one of my pet peeves? Doors slamming, people slam doors. Hate it. You mean, you don't mean on the radio show, you mean in no, your own no, house? No, no, in real life. You know, when people slam, they're like, my kids. Every kid does that. They slam the door, you know. Yeah, when they get annoyed like, with you. Uh, that would that would set me off, you know, um, a door one time, slamming. Once with my daughter, we took the door off the hinge. My husband literally got tools and took the entire door off. Why, because she was slamming it a lot? No, I don't, I don't honestly remember <laughs> why, but <laughs> well, we said if you do it reasons. again, yeah, we're taking off the door. Oh, I just hate it. And we do- took off the it door. It grates on my nerves, um, slamming doors. So do you ever slam the door? Never, you don't ever slam the door. Slam doors. And my daughter, Amanda, still to this day, slams my my door to my car a lot. And I'm like, Amanda, you don't have to slam the door. Oh, sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) As everybody's Uh, got their own thing. (laughs) Carl Shadow sent me an email. He said, here's the, uh, here's the people on this episode. Bill Foreman is the whistler. Betty Lou Gerson is Helen. William, Water Willard Waterman is Mr. Jackson. Jeff Chandler is Malcolm. Joan Banks, Ann. Gerald Moore, Paul. Charles Calvert, Ed. And the taxi driver. We'll be right back. 
Hi, I'm Carl Amari. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, The Whistler, and Abbott and Costello, consider joining the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time. As curator, the 10 shows I select will be the best sound quality and the most popular, along with a rare show sprinkled in to add to the fun. I'll also send you historical liner notes, plus photos of the radio stars. Members also receive an email each week with a link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show. The links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 whenever you'd like. The first month membership fee is only $1, with each additional month under $10. And you can cancel at any time with no obligation. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you're supporting this show, so we thank you very much. Join the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. You're listening to Hollywood 360 across more than 100 radio stations, coast to coast. Plus, we are heard uh, on American Forces Radio all over the globe, 168 countries. And uh, we're here every week with our five-hour show. And don't forget, folks, if you're in an area... That you uh, do not pick up the full five-hour show, you might want to consider uh, subscribing to our podcast. Now, it's very easy. You just go to our website, Hollywood360Radio.com, and uh, for all, for a very low price, only $5.99 a month, you'll get four podcasts. You get one a week. You get every Monday, you'll be sent the entire five-hour Hollywood 360 show, but you also get a bonus. You will also receive our Radio Rarities podcast, where Lisa and I take a very rare classic radio show, give you all kinds of background information about it, and then play it. And all of that background information is written by the great Carl Shadow. Um, I think it's quite a deal, Lisa. You get a, a podcast sent to you every single week for only $5.99 a month. Not bad. Right. And this Radio Rarities podcast is brand new, hot off the press. And uh, we're getting a lot of rave reviews. And uh, we think that you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, we think you'll like it a lot. Um, just heard uh, episode, you know, Mike mixes these a little ahead of schedule. I think people are getting maybe episode 10 or 11 right now. We just heard episode 12. Oh, it was great, Mike. I didn't think I had a chance to to tell you how great I thought it came out. But you did a great job on that one. It's a terrific uh Terrific one. It's a murder mystery one. Very, very cool. Anyway, to uh, subscribe to our podcast, Hollywood 360, you'll get two podcasts. Not only will you get the Hollywood 360 show, but you also get Radio Rarities each and every Monday for only $5.99 a month. You'll never miss one single second of our Hollywood 360 show or Radio Rarities. Go to Hollywood360Radio.com. That's our website, hollywood 360 radio.com at the very top of the website is how you can sign up for our uh, podcast we hope you'll do it are we listening to the whistler night final and um great cast uh, gerald moore you'll also hear jeff chandler in this joan banks betty lou garrison willard waterman um thanks to carl shadow he he somehow can hear these people and know exactly who it is. He's got a trained ear for it, and we appreciate that. And we're glad he has that skill set. This is a January 28, 1948 broadcast. Here's the conclusion now. 
to the Whistler. And now back to the Whistler. The blood rushes to your head as you run out of the apartment, down the stairs to the street, a hatred for Paul boiling up inside you, twice as powerful now as the love ever was, because it's a helpless hatred, because Paul is up there now laughing at you, and you're helpless. Then, as the damp fog begins to clear your head, as your heart stops pounding, A cold, curiously logical idea comes home to you. And you realize that the thing you shouted in anger at him back in the apartment, that you could kill him, wasn't really hysterical at all. It was a statement of fact. You could kill him, Helen. You aren't helpless at all. By the time you arrive at the office the next morning, you've decided exactly how it's going to happen. It begins with Anne. There are things you must plant in her mind, and with Anne, you have to be careful. Congratulations, darling. You scooped the whole town with that crash story last night. Really? Oh, now, don't be wide-eyed, dear. It doesn't become you. Well, well, it was a lucky break, Anne. And you did a nice job of covering it, I might add. Mm-hmm. Say, what's wrong with you? You're not very enthusiastic. Oh, it's nothing, Anne. Oh, cut it out. I know better. Now, what is it? It's Malcolm. Oh, Malcolm's found out about Paul? Yes, and you know what a temper Malcolm has. Well, he was at his worst, made all sorts of threats against you. No, that's why I'm worried. He acted as if he might take it out on Paul. You've never seen anyone so jealous, Anne. Well, keep them apart until it's over. That's all you can do. <laughs> Not so easy. You can't hide Paul in a crowd tonight. Hmm? Oh, how do you mean? Take him to the circus with you. That's the one place Malcolm won't go. Not in his frame of mind. Oh, I'm afraid Paul isn't interested in circuses either. I still want company, though. How about you? Change your mind? Uh Uh-uh. The boss won't let me off the rewrite desk. I'll be at it all night. Oh, I'm disappointed. I'm not. If you spot any stories, call me, will you? Sure, sure. Still wish you were going with me. They say it's quite a show. Yes, Helen, quite a show. But you knew all along that Anne would have to decline your invitation, didn't you? That was part of your plan. Part two takes place at the apartment, your old apartment, to which you've still got a key. From your years as Mrs. Delavan, you know that Malcolm isn't home. At his desk, you pick up Malcolm's long, thin letter opener, hide it in your purse. Half an hour later, wearing a conspicuous red bolero jacket, You're standing in line at the ticket booth in front of Seely Brothers' giant show. And there's a reason for not using your pass, isn't there, Helen? Hurry, 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 Jumbo! Yes, sir, who's next? Uh, Right here, two, please. Two, here you go. Thanks. Three in the grandstand. Three grandstands, thank you. One, please, grandstand. Yes, ma'am, one grand... Huh? A $50 bill... That's the smallest you got, lady. I'm sorry. But for crying out loud, 50 I bucks. I said I and... was sorry. Okay, okay, I can handle it. Uh, 
A red bolero jacket and a $50 bill. You know the man in the ticket booth will remember you, don't you, Helen? And inside the main tent, you slip the jacket off, turn it inside out, and fold it over your arm. Just one of the crowd again. And then a few minutes later, you slip quietly out a side exit and make your way to the street. It'll be a simple matter to reach Paul's apartment unnoticed on the crowded streetcar. You're standing in an alcove in the hall outside Paul's apartment, waiting for Malcolm to complete his visit and leave. It's nearly an hour before you see him come out and start down the stairs. Almost before he's out of sight, you're down the hall ringing the doorbell. Helen. Aren't you going to ask me in, Paul? Should I? <laughs> There's a vase or two I forgot to nail down. I'm sorry, Paul. I, I won't stay long. Okay. Your timing was perfect. Dismissed your husband. Yes, I know. Oh? He showed me your letter, Paul. What did you talk about? Oh, Helen, it's all over. Why, why go on talking about it? It meant a great huh? deal to me, Paul. I'm sorry. No, you're not. Helen, please. Why did you come here? I want to say goodbye, Paul. Goodbye? Yes, I... I won't bother you anymore. But would you mind too terribly, Paul? Would you mind kissing me goodbye? Of course not. Come here. Oh, Paul. Helen, I, I never meant... <laughs> Helen, you... It was a kiss of death, wasn't it, Helen? You stand for a moment, looking down at Paul's still face. And then you hurry to the door, cautiously let yourself out of the apartment, hurry back to the circus. The crowd is pouring out of the main tent as you get there. You slip on the red bolero jacket, mingle with the others as they move away from the entrance, babbling excitedly. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, what were their names? The Flying Carbonis. They've been working together for years. I never seen anything like it. Never. Oh, excuse uh, me, lady. Certainly. A taxi. A taxi. Where to, lady? Daily Post. Uh, no, wait a minute. I'll call the story in. Take me home, driver. Brockhurst Apartments. And about all, Miss Conover? Now, give me the last paragraph again, will you? Sure. But while last night's performance followed the Shaw Brothers formula right down to the waltzing bear and the death-defying acrobatics of the Carboni troupe, its very adherence to circus tradition assures it a profitable engagement. Mm-hmm. A profitable engagement in, uh, in a city which has long since demonstrated its loyalty to tinsel and tan bark. Got that? Right. Okay, print it. <laughs> This looks like it. Hello? This is Anne, Helen. Oh, good heavens, Anne. It's three in the morning. If it's about that review, I... It isn't about the review, darling. You better brace yourself. I have some pretty shocking news. What is it? Paul Wilson was murdered tonight. What? They're holding Malcolm on suspicion. I'll be right down. Anne, I got here as fast as... Ed, what are you doing here? Oh, I had a little extra work to do in the composing room tonight. Well, I've been talking to Ed about the murder, Helen. It's horrible. I can't believe Malcolm That's would... That's just it. Neither can we. 
pretty crude stuff, you know. Advertising a motive all over town like that. Then knocking off your rival with an oriental curio that a correspondence school detective could trace to you. He must have lost his reason. Oh, no. He was pretty jealous, but he wasn't stupid. Well, that's beside the point now. Suppose they want me down at police headquarters. You can relax, honey. Police headquarters is coming to you. What's this all about, Ann? Why Just you a minute. Sir? All right, Lieutenant Jacobs. This is Lieutenant Jacobs, Helen. How do you do? How do you do? I'd like to ask you a few questions. Well, I'd like to ask a few myself. You'll have a chance in just a moment, Miss Conover. I won't be long. You see, I only have one question. All right. Where were you at 10.15 last night? Well, Anne could have told you that. I was at the circus. Are you sure, dear? Well, I phoned the story into the rewrite desk. Didn't you stop to wonder why I wasn't on the rewrite desk? Well, no, I didn't. You should have. You see, I changed my mind. I went to the circus, too. I used the other pass, the seat next to the one you were supposed to be using. Does this mean you actually suspect me of murdering Paul Wilson? Well, I admit it gave me pause. Your uh, ex-husband claims he and Wilson talked things over, that Wilson was giving you the air. That's a ridiculous lie. Malcolm is pretty sure of his facts. He suggested, quite loudly, too, that you were trying to frame him. It, uh, it all depends on that one point, Miss Conover. Where you were at 10.15 last night. I already told you. I was covering the circus. If you're awfully concerned about that ticket business... We are. I'll produce the pass I didn't use. It's at home in my tan coat. See, I changed my red bolero jacket and discovered when I got there I'd left the pass at home. So I bought a ticket in the grandstand. You can prove that? I think so. All I had was a $50 bill. The man at the ticket window was terribly irritated with me. I see. I suggest you find out who he is and ask him about the woman in the red bolero jacket. He'll remember me. Well, that's an angle. Now, let me tell you something, Lieutenant. My good friend Anne over here seems to have engineered this. You might be interested in her reasons. Wait a minute, First Helen. off, she's been jealous of me and my position with this paper ever since she came here. She hates me. She'd do anything to ruin me and my career. Helen. You better tell the truth, Annie. It's all going in the record. And this is the topper, Lieutenant. I introduced her to my former husband at a cocktail party three years ago. She's been in love with him ever since. What? She'd do anything right now to save him. Ask her if that's true, Lieutenant. Ask her to answer that one, under oath. Well, what about it, Miss Studdard? All right, I... I do love him. The Whistler will return in just a moment with a strange ending to tonight's story. Meantime, two points it'll pay every driver to remember if you want to be sure of the tops in quality when you buy gasoline. One, in gasoline, it takes extra quality to go farther. And two, signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. Yes, it's a fact. Mileage is the best yardstick of gasoline quality. After all, in order to give you quicker starting, faster pickup, and smoother knock-free power, Signal Gasoline has to help your motor run more efficiently. And when your motor runs more efficiently, naturally you see proof of it on your speedometer in mileage. That's why we're so proud of Signal's good mileage, which has made Signal Gasoline known from Canada to Mexico as the go-farther gasoline. And it's why we say, to be sure of the tops in gasoline quality... There are just two things to remember. One, in gasoline, it takes extra quality to go farther. And two, signal is the famous go farther gasoline. 
And now back to the whistler. It's a tense scene, Helen, the three of you, Anne, Lieutenant Jacobs, and yourself, grouped around the dingy rewrite desk under the cruel white light in your office at the Daily Post. Ed, the compositor from the press room, sitting quietly on the sideline. It was an awkward moment, explaining away your absence at the circus. But you're sure now, with a ticket man available to place you at the circus at the time of the crime, with Anne admitting her love for Malcolm, that you're in the clear. It's almost a full minute after her admission that Anne finally speaks. Ed. Yeah? Bring me the paper, Ed. The morning edition with the review of the performance last night. You've got it. Ah, sure. Right here. Now, let's get this straight, Lieutenant. We're all agreed everything depends on where my capable colleague was. At the time, she claimed she was at the circus. Why don't you let him check my review, Annie? I've already read it. Yes. You see, it's a rather important piece of evidence. The next time you see that typescript, it'll be marked Exhibit A. What do you mean? You're a top reporter, Helen. Never missed a trick. But you did last night. That's why we didn't print your story. We used mine instead. You what? Take a look at that headline. <gasps> the black letters stab into your brain like neon. Swim before your eyes. The floor seems to open up and swallow you as the sense of it strikes home. Flying Carboni troop plunges to death in circus accident. You're unprepared, off balance now. No defense for this. Important piece of evidence, Helen. Marked Exhibit A. And as you try frantically to think of some excuse, some way out, Lieutenant Jacob starts bearing in with questions about Paul, about Malcolm, about the knife, the apartment. The whole thing, Helen, the whole hideous truth. Until you can't think anymore. Until you find yourself admitting every word of it. No, I, I, I guess that's all. Now, just let me sleep. Leave me alone. They'll do what they can for you down at headquarters, Miss Conover. Come on, let's go. Oh, uh, thanks, Anne. It was a pleasure. <laughs> and a good idea. You know, we could use a head like yours downtown. What, what are you talking about? That morning edition we had Ed print up especially for you, Miss Carnover. You see, the flying Carbonis didn't fall last night. But you did. And for a phony headline at that. That whistle be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler, each Wednesday night at this same time. Brought to you by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal gasoline and motor oil and fine quality automotive accessories. Signal has asked me to remind you to get the most driving pleasure, drive at sensible speed, be courteous, and obey traffic regulations. It may save a life, possibly your own.
Featured in tonight's story were Betty Lou Gerson and Joan Banks. The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen, with story by Bob Platt and music by Wilbur Hatch. It was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Next Wednesday, for a full hour of mystery over most of these stations, tune in a half hour earlier. Enjoy The Saint as well as The Whistler. This is Marvin Miller speaking. This is CBS, where 99 million people gather every week. The Columbia Broadcasting System. That's The Whistler, January 28th, 1948. What a great series The Whistler was. I mean, terrific. They had the whole CBS uh, orchestra. Great actors in this, including Gerald Moore and Betty Lou Gearson, Joan Banks, Willard Waterman, Jeff Chandler in the cast. Um, this is called Night Final, as heard on uh, CBS with uh, the sponsor Signal Oil and Marvin Miller doing the announcing, Bill Foreman as the Whistler. And uh, you know who did the music on this, Lisa? Um, oh, hang on a second. Your mic wasn't on. Your microphone wasn't Should on. I say Sorry. It again? Yeah. Who, you know who did the music? Wilbur Hatch. And, and you know what he used to say when he'd take a drink? Down the hatch. Exactly. Okay. Darn. Got through that one. Darn. All right, thanks. Uh, Time for this month in music history. All right, we're going to do what I call Halloween-related songs. So they all have a Halloween theme to them. Nice. Here's the first one. Don't Fear the Reaper. Yes. Blue Oyster Cult, 1976. Yep. Mm-mm. So the mm. lead guitarist who wrote this and sung it, he said he wrote it while picturing an early death for himself. Oh, gosh. Ooh. Right? Fear the reaper. No, do the wind, the sun, or the rain. Come on, baby, don't fear the reaper. It's a great song. Yep. So I didn't know that, though. That's He wrote this... Basically, um, so he sung it and he wrote it um, while picturing an early death for himself. Is he still alive? I don't know the answer to that <laughs> question. I can check it I out hope though. It didn't, the lead guitarist for it wasn't Blue Oyster like Cult, a, you know, like an omen for himself. A, you know, a prophecy like a, that came true or yeah, whatever like they call omen. that. Ugh. Ah, uh, yeah. Ooh, scary stuff. It You're is. scaring me, Lisa. All right, I'll stop. Scaring me. Scaring myself. <laughs> All right, more of Hollywood 360 after this short break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right. In our next hour, it's more Halloween programming. This time, though, a comedy, Lisa, on the adventures of Archie Andrews. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. Bob Hastings stars as Archie Andrews. So we're going back to Riverdale. 1948 broadcast. Plus, we'll also play Beat the Host, right, uh, That's Lisa? right. We need a caller. It's all about Paul Simon and his music. He was born October 13th of 1941. If you'd like to call, be on the air, play Beat the Host. You can call 312-642-5600. We're looking for caller number nine. Last week, it was Simon Cowell. This week, it's Paul Simon. Right. The keyword and... is Simon yeah. Says. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. 
We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the way showers who will help your journey a lot easier.